this ChaosCast, the Chaos Community Podcast, where we share use cases and experiences with measuring open source community health, elevating conversations about metrics, analytics, and software from the Community Health Analytics Open Source Software, or Short Chaos Project, to wherever you like to listen. Welcome to this episode. This podcast is sponsored by our friends at Sustain, a community of open source enthusiasts and professionals that care about the future of open source. Learn more at sustainoss.org. On the panel today are Sean Goggins. I'm Sean Goggins from the University of Missouri. I work with the Risk Group and the Evolution Group. Really happy to be here. Matt Germanprey. Hi, everybody. Happy to be here today. I've been involved in the Chaos Project since the beginning. Willem Young. Hi, everybody. This is Willem. I'm glad to be here to join the talk of the Chaos Cast. Dawn Foster. Hi, this is Dawn Foster. I do open source community strategy at VMware. I'm also on the governing board of the Chaos Project, and you can find me within the Common Metrics Working Group. Nicole Schusman. Hello, everyone. I'm Nicole. I, like Matt, almost been involved with the Chaos Project since its beginning, and I am thrilled to be with you here today. Elizabeth Barron. Hi, everyone. This is Elizabeth Barron. I'm the Chaos Community Manager. Shoya Xia. Hi, everyone. I'm Xiaoya, and I'm a student from East China Normal University. I started participating in Kiosk beginning from last year, and I'm really happy to be here today. And myself, Georg Link. Everyone, good to be back with you, Georg Link, Director of Sales at Petrucia, co-founder of the Chaos Project, co-lead still. By the time this episode is released, I might not be anymore. We are currently electing the next co-lead. I am super excited for today's episode. You heard we have a big panel because we are reviewing year 2021. And so we are bringing in many different voices from the chaos community today. When we look at the geography where everyone is located, we are representative from around the world and we are recording this at a really weird time to make all the time zones work. So this is a really special episode from my opinion, because it just shows what the chaos project today is and how much it has grown. So just to put some meat to what I just said, where are you all located today? Well, this- Don, I am based in the UK, just outside of London. I'm from Beijing and it's really nice to talk with you guys. Hi, Elizabeth here. I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. Hi, it's Xiaoya, and I'm located in Shanghai, China, and it's 9 p.m. here. And I say as a student, it's a bit hard for me to find a quiet place with a stable network, but I made it. I'm glad you could make it, Xiaoya. Excellent. This is Nicole, and I am in Beaverton, Oregon, just outside of Portland. I should say most recognizable is likely home of Nike. And thank you for making it at this early hour, 5 a.m. Matt Germanprey here. I am located right in the middle of the country of the U.S. in Omaha, Nebraska. 
I'm not too far away, same city. I'm Sean Goggins. I am located in Columbia, Missouri, which is halfway between St. Louis and Kansas City. For those of you people who don't know where Missouri is or where Columbia especially is or a small college town. I want to start the year 2021 review by looking back at the Chaos Podcast since we are right now in the podcast itself. We had many fun episodes. This episode right now will be released as number 40. Nine, We have celebrated the first anniversary and that is actually my favorite episode, the episode 34, the anniversary episode where we just got to celebrate how much has happened since we started the podcast. Do you all have favorite episodes from this year? I have a favorite episode. Mine is episode 37, which is the Orbit Model with Patrick Woods. And I really liked that episode because it was just a different way of thinking about the metrics and thinking about how people's involvement changes over time and decays and people become less involved in the project. Other people become more involved. And it was a really interesting way of looking at the life cycle of community involvement in a project. My favorite is episode 43. This is the first episode I get involved and participate and by sharing the metrics and learn from the Software Foundation. And this is a quite interesting episodes because we even have Chinese name for that. And it's good to see the chaos community growing globally. Hi, this is Nicole. My favorite episode was episode 39, Leaderboards and Metrics at Drupal.org with Matthew Tift and Tim Lennon. And hopefully I've mispronounced either of their names. This episode was particularly, it resonated well with me. Part of what these folks talked about was the benefits and the pitfalls or what to avoid with metrics. It also talked about the importance of measuring metrics that touched every member of a healthy, thriving community. Hey, this is Xiaoya, and I would have choose the same episode with William, but things he already discussed about that one. So I would choose episode 45. Actually, I just listened to it a moment ago and I found it's almost the exact same thing what we are talking, except in Chinese. And it's also related to a case happened recently where an open source community was reported with was using some form of buying GitHub stars. So rose the discussion as it always involves some KPIs, especially when commercial corporations become the player. And the phenomena where people just treat with the rules would always happen. And so it's just enlightening as it really matters with the motivation of doing metrics and measurements. This is Sean. My favorite episode is episode 38 with Ruth Seeley and Brian Prophet from Red Hat, where we talked about their collab program and how they use robotics and Raspberry Pis and now video game education to help engage young people from diverse backgrounds in computing. And I think the Red Hat community, and especially collab, provides a really interesting test ground for ideas for how we can increase diversity and inclusion in open source software more specifically. And this is Elizabeth. And I really like to hear the episodes that feature the students that we have through various mentorship programs. I just really like to hear them getting excited about their projects and 
learning about their experiences, you know, in chaos. And yeah, I really enjoy those episodes the most, I think. All right, Dana, there's another news item for the podcast. Shoya, are you ready to talk about how we are taking the chaos podcast to China? Yes, it's the thing just happened recently that we just set up the account and got one episode published. Actually, it's two because the first episode, we call it episode zero, just talking about like motivation, how it begins. Actually, it begins in the episode, William just talked about where at the last, Georg asked if we are interested in recording some several episodes in Chinese. And the story just happened. And but we already have one episode one published talking about how to organically maintain your community. Just don't be pushed by KPIs. Don't look at those. Just let data drive everything, control everything. And focus on the thing that really matters that can evolve new contributors, can make everybody have belongings. That's what we were talking about. I think it's really fun. It's the first time I do things like this. And I think the feedback was great. I'm excited. I'm a big fan of the Chaos cast. And I learned a lot from listening to the Chaos cast. And then we run the podcast in Chinese. And we encourage Shoyaj to host this kind of Chaos cast in Chinese and to, to let more people to know about the metrics. And uh, in the last episodes, I think we just to show people we need to pay attention to the number, but uh, we the number is not the targets. We need to bring the people together and uh, really bring uh, some meaningful things to them to come in. And uh, I think um, by hosting this kind of podcast, uh, let more people to know about the number and uh, the reason behind the number we have. I'll just add, I'm really excited to have these podcasts in China as well. You know, as a community, I think it's important to not ask every person globally distributed to come to the way that we just kind of centrally work in the chaos project. I think there is a lot of thought that needs to be put into how we connect with people globally in different ways. And it's just, it's really great to see this effort, you know, taking hold in, in China. So thanks for all the work. Yeah. And thank you, Shoya, for setting up the chaos cast. China will put the link in the show notes. Elizabeth, you wanted to say something? I just wanted to give a shout out to Shoya for being so proactive with this and, and something that she said she's never done before, which I think is really awesome. So congratulations to you, Shoya, for stepping outside your comfort zone and doing something new. I know it's going to be a fantastic success. I'm really proud that this is part of the Chaos Project, and I'm proud that you're the one that has kind of pushed that. So thank you for doing that. Thank you. It's like a whole new experience and it has difficulties, but also fascinating. So the podcast is just one of the ways that we are sharing stories within the Chaos Project. We also have a lot of work that the community is doing. So let's talk about what is going on or what has happened in the Chaos community during the last year. And I'll start with the two big areas that we have in the Chaos Project, the software that we are building and the metrics. So let's start with software. Have there been any interesting new advances or something that is noteworthy in the software area? Well, I can speak to some of it. I think there are a number of people on this call, Georg, yourself included, and Don, 
Charlie. A lot of people can speak to the evolution of software. I could speak mostly to Augur. During the course of this year, we've introduced a lot of DevOps stabilization, incorporated the checking and use of dependencies, which has become a major source of interest and concern in the risk working group and made an increasing number of data points for that represent chaos metrics. And we added a number of data points that represent chaos metrics to our API and also expanded our Jupyter Notebook project, which is Augur Community Reports under the chaos bandwagon. We participated in the Google Summer of Code this year, which I know Grimoire Lab did as well. And we're just excited about the future of Augur and how we've continued to refine both the gathering of data and its analysis this year. And I think as the metrics models, which we'll talk about later, come into being, we have a really great framework for beginning to implement these metric models through Augur as a demonstration. In the Grimoire Lab project, we also had some really good Google Sum of Code and the open source summer promotion program. So we have a new tutorial. We have improved the identities management piece, the sorting hat. And yeah, overall, it's uh, slowly improving. With that, let's move on to the metrics. What has happened in the chaos community around metrics this year? This is Manit. So many things. So all of the working groups continue to develop metrics, you know, listening to the larger community that's well beyond chaos, seeing what people are talking about metrics wise and what they're looking at and us deploying processes to capture that conversation. So to date, we've released over or right at 70 metrics, which has been just fantastic across all five different working groups. That's a tremendous amount of effort. I would also say with metrics, we really worked on automating the release process. This was getting a bit cumbersome as we build out the number of metrics and Yash and Ritik, who were two Google Summer of Code students, really did an amazing job helping automate our release process, just taking some of the burden off of that process. So as many of you know, document management can be quite challenging. And as we increase the number of documents that we have in front of us, that challenge only gets larger. So that was just really tremendous effort. And then honestly, the other just amazing effort was this was the first year that we released all of our metrics into Chinese. And that was no small effort either. So thanks to the folks that are on this call as well, Willem and Shoya who helped in that regard, plus many others. So the translation process for us was very human oriented. So we didn't want to just rely on automated tools for translation. So as part of connecting with people to assist in the translation, we needed to coordinate a lot of effort and just a real big thanks for that. I'm really happy about that. Yeah, I've been really impressed with just the sheer number of metrics that we've put out this year. And I think a big part of that is we really, you know, I look at some of the working groups that I participate in and we've got new people writing metrics. So I think the fact that we're a welcoming and inclusive community and people can easily get involved in helping us write metrics, I think has helped us get more people involved. And then as a result, then release more metrics than we have in the past, which I think is a great sign. I've also been really impressed with the number of new people who have joined the different working groups. I think that speaks to the utility of the work the Chaos Project has done so far, but also, as you noted, Don, to the fact that I think we are a very welcoming community in open source that nobody, we hope, 
comes to chaos and doesn't know who to talk to or what to do or feels unwelcome in any way. I think Elizabeth has helped to guide us toward that sort of inclusion and welcoming atmosphere that not that we didn't have it before, but I, I like very much how our community manager, Elizabeth Barron, has made that a foregrounded part of the activities that we do within the working groups. Thanks for saying that, Sean. That's really nice of me to say that. I know we've been working on our improving our onboarding process, but I would like to see us do even better in that regard. And I just make it a little clearer for people. So that's kind of something I'm looking forward to for next year. But curiously, I know we do have a lot of new people coming in and we've stayed consistent with our community participation and the meetings and things over the years, which I think is really curious because like the momentum that we've had has just kept going and it's growing even more. So I think it's a really exciting time to be part of the chaos project. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how it grows in the future. I think I'm detecting that you as the community manager just looked at metrics about the chaos community. That's exciting. Sometimes we do that. <laughs> and I actually did look at some metrics. So yeah, you're right. You're good call. And to Matt's point about the metrics automation release system that Yash and Ritik built, if you are interested in learning more about it, check out Chaos Cast episode 44, where we interviewed them about their Google Summer of Code experience and work. Another area within the chaos community that we have built out over this last year is the diversity, equity, inclusion badge for events. How is that going? So uh, this is Nicole <laughs> and I've dove into this one and I would just love to say this has been absolutely really amazing. It's amazing to see folks rally around this particular initiative. For those of you who want to know more about this initiative, it focuses on awarding badges to those events as it adhere to some of the DE&I principles. And gosh, as of October, we have over 40, and that would be 44 events that have been awarded badges. So that's really an amazing number and one that just keeps growing, you know, as we move along here. We have new releases every six months. We just had a release on November 1st and some of the things for workflow and bot improvements. We're also working on detailing the process for these releases and making this a bit more visual so that when you look at the process, it's just immediately apparent what happens within each of the releases and how we prepare for these releases. And one of the things I think we're, as a work group, we're looking at is how to expand the breadth of the events that we award badges to. Matt, I'd love to invite you to chime in because I know you've been intimately familiar with this initiative as well. Yeah, I'll add just, you know, one of the key things of the badging program is to really be developmental with event organizers. So all of the reviews are done in the open and publicly. And so a review is done through a GitHub issue. And the intention there is to not just ask people to self-certify their efforts with respect to centering DEI within their events, but to really have an open and transparent conversation about how events are being attentive to DEI or how event organizers are being attentive to DEI. 
And so you can actually not only see on the GitHub repository, all of the events that have been badged, but also the entire conversation around each badging effort to kind of, again, be developmental. So I think that's been a real big success as well. And I would second what you said, Nicole, too, about trying to increase the number of events or the diversity of events that are participating in the badging program. The Linux Foundation has been extremely engaged in this process. And if we could build that out, that would just be wonderful in 2022. That's really awesome. The DI badging project. I remember episode 27, where we interviewed Shoya, who was working on the handbook for the badge. And if you just look back one year when we recorded this, it has evolved and grown so much. So thank you for all the work here. Speaking of diversity, equity, and inclusion, we did some reflection on the chaos community itself over this past year. And Matt, how did that go? Well, I'd like to say it went real well. Not only do we kind of develop metrics around DEI with projects or or events, but we also kind of took this project directly to ourselves, the Chaos Project, reflecting on how we can do better as a community to continue to foster a welcoming environment. So, you know, some of the reflection recommendations that came out were things around, you know, efforts with respect to translation a global community, ways that we can improve onboarding and creating a welcoming environment for newcomers. So there were a number of things that came out of our own reflection that we can use to improve. And we're also going to be documenting a lot of that work so others can reflect on better centering DEI, again, within their own events and within their own projects. So it was really a a great process. I would add that I think the most interesting and powerful and insightful dimension of the whole process was having people from outside our project looking in and observing how our groups work, how our process operates, discussing our handbook and board of guidelines and governance that just to have people who are not chaos participants, but who represent themselves, diverse perspectives around the world, talk to us about how we're doing and what we can do differently or better. I think When you're on a project that's producing as much metric documentation and software as we are, we can get lost in all of that great work and forget to take a step back. And I think this process really helped us take a step back. And I would just add, this is Elizabeth, I would just add that it also, I think, is making our metrics better. Because one thing we realized is that a good number of the metrics, not all of them, but a good number of them can have an impact on or are impacted by diversity, equity, and inclusion issues. So now when we develop metrics, that's part of our checklist is to really think about how this metric in particular that we're developing, regardless of what working group it's in, how it can affect those issues or be affected by, or you know, have context, provide context around some of these other issues. So I think that's been a really interesting and productive <laughs> use of our audits. It's really making our metrics better as well. Yeah, it's really great. Thank you for sharing all that. I know we have made some small improvements here and there based on the feedback that we got. And the feedback that I hear from many people is that chaos is a very welcoming, inclusive community. And so this is one of the things that helped us get here. While open source software today is powering critical infrastructure, the open source ecosystem as a whole is rapidly changing. Facing challenges for governance, maintenance, maintainer burnout, funding, 
marketing, and more. Are you concerned about these things for your open source software too? Well, in the Sustained community, we discuss these challenges and share solutions for how to sustain open source in the long haul. We meet once per year in person, and the rest of the time we keep the fire burning in our discourse forum. Join our conversations at sustainoss.org and sustainoss on Twitter. There are three conversations from this year that I would like to highlight. One is metrics models, one is dependencies, and one is ethics guidelines. And let's talk about metric models. That is something that has come up this year and is taking what we're doing with metrics, I think, to the next level. Who can share a little bit about what metrics models are about and what we're doing here? Yeah, I can share some background of the metric model. And uh, my colleague, and he did a lot of work. And I and, and find and currently we are just trying to gather the data of open source and to help us to know better about the development status of the open source projects. And we find out those are some interesting new scenarios, such as if we want to recommend, if we want to know better about the status of the software community, and if a lot of people recommend this software, and it could be a good thing. And I think it just borrows some ideas from the commercial model. It's like we are selling phones, and for the different brand phone, there's the customer and maybe very sensitive to a certain brand. And the phone company just use these kind of tools to do some investment. And we can use that in a community world. In a develop in open source development world, if the people recommend a lot and we can use use that things. And back to the metric model. And if we can make a good design of the metrics, it could help us to to do these kind of things. And I think now is kind of the perfect time to be talking about metrics models because we have, as we mentioned earlier, over 70 released metrics. That's a lot of metrics. And for a lot of people, that can be really overwhelming. And so I think it does help to put together some use cases and some metrics models to give people a way of narrowing it down and give them an easier place to start. I mean, within VMware, the way I've sort of modeled our metrics is I've looked specifically at project health and I've picked, you know, four things. I've picked, you know, do we have enough contributors on a project? Do we make regular releases, which means we fix bugs? Are we responsive? Are we responding to pull requests in a timely manner? And are we resolving pull requests on a regular basis? And so those are like the four things that, that I've sort of focused on just to help the teams within VMware get a handle on some very basic measurements of project health that then individual teams can build on and, and do other things. But having that baseline helps people get started without getting overwhelmed. I'd like to just second that with 70 metrics, like if somebody is asking, how do they understand community health? We wouldn't just point them to 70 metrics and say, here, just use these. <laughs> that doesn't help anybody. It would be so completely overwhelming. So just as an example of a metrics model that is in practice, the DEI event badging program that we talked about earlier is a deployed metrics model. It is a, a model that brings together five or six existing chaos metrics to help event organizers just 
improve on their own DEI practices within their events. And to Don's point, it's sometimes it's just, it's meant to start a conversation and just help people just think about metrics and think about how they can help improve whatever it is you would like to improve. And, and so the different models are kind of aimed at different things that, that people may want to try to understand with respect to open source communities. And I think it sounds like it solves different problems in the metric space as well. For example, in DEI, we didn't have trace data to measure a lot of those things that are in the badging program. So the metrics model of the badging program helped us to actually implement some things in a way that's meaningful for people and the industry perspectives that Zheng and Don bring, I think are, again, I love that these are bottom up things that people are doing with our metrics to make them real, but they, the motivation comes from several different perspectives. So thank you for sharing the conversation that is happening around metric models. I would like to move on to the next topic that was really big this year, and that is around dependencies and understanding the different types of dependencies that we have and the different ways that we can look at them through metrics. What was the conversation like and what did we learn this year about dependencies? Well, the risk working group started talking about dependencies and really went through, I would say, a seven or eight month exercise starting at the very beginning of this year to try to understand what are they. And maybe it was late 2020 that we began the discussion because there are I would say no less than a dozen different active Linux foundation groups and projects that are looking into dependencies and they've become important because understanding our software bill of materials isn't just understanding the projects that we've downloaded and are running in our systems, but also what are they dependent on? And it leads to this sort of snowball effect where if I want to understand security and stability, first I have to have an inventory of the things my software is dependent on. And then I have to have some sort of measure of the health and sustainability of those things. And dependencies really came to the foreground over the summer when U.S. President Biden issued an executive order for us to look into software security as a result of a gas pipeline shutdown on the East Coast that hackers executed. So it's been a long time figuring it out. We started to issue, we've issued our first two metrics about dependencies and the risk working group is continuing to develop and work in that area. Well, thank you for sharing that. And the third topic that really was something meaningful, in my opinion, this year was the conversation around ethics of data and metrics. And we have had a lot of conversation around this in the Chaos Project. What kind of guidance can we provide to people using Chaos Metrics so that they are doing it in an ethical way? But also, how do we as a Chaos Project deal with metrics and data ethically? So one of the things that we did this year is write a data policy where you can go now on our website and you can see for the Chaos community, we are very transparent that if you are participating, you are leaving behind data in the Git log, in the mailing list, in the chat. And how do we as the chaos community handle and manage that data? So we are following some best practices here of just being transparent and open about this and that, yes, we do have a community dashboard. Yes, we are analyzing that data for the public contributions. But if you are 
participating in like a event for ChaosCon, for example, then your registration data, no, we don't keep that. That's a different kind of data. So we've done some reflection on that, trying to build out some ethic guidelines for the Chaos Project. I would say we hope that other communities have similar conversations. What else has been going on in the conversations around ethics and guidelines? Well, for each of our metrics could carry ethical considerations forward. And it's funny, I find myself like treading way more lightly, just personally in this area, because I don't really know the conversation real well. So for example, speaking to the badging program, quite comfortable. I think that's Moodle and real well process within the chaos project. But how we provide guidance with respect to ethics on how people use the metrics that we develop, I think this is still something that we're working on in the chaos project. I'd love to get the conversation right or whatever right might mean in this situation. And we certainly can't tell people kind of what to do or what not to do, I think. But I do believe we can orient people in, in the right direction as to how to think about the data that is associated with each of our metrics and how that might impact individuals and organizations. So I think there's still a work in progress for me. I think one of the, as I mentioned before, by, you know, adding this line item on our checklist of let's make sure the the people working on this metric are thinking about how it is affected by diversity, equity, and inclusion. Ethics is another one that we now are going to start thinking about. And, you know, like some of our metrics, like we realize that there may be personally identifiable information or PII embedded in that metric, but an open source maintainer may not realize that. So I think even just if we can get to the point of, of just flagging it for that, of like, hey, this metric might contain sensitive information. So you have to maybe be a little more careful with the way you, you handle this data and store it. So I think we could get super detailed on, you know, what to do with that data. But I think, you know, we're not quite to that point, to Matt's point. I don't think we're there yet, but even just flagging it for those maintainers that are using these metrics that, you know, you can't just, it would not be a good idea to just throw this data around publicly, you know, on the internet. So especially with regard to some of our diversity and inclusion metrics, like some of that stuff is really sensitive information. So we just want to make sure that we're being as responsible as we can by flagging these things for whoever might be using them. All right. Thank you for sharing what is going on in the chaos community and helping highlight the three conversations around metrics, models, dependencies, and ethics guidelines. I think we have recorded a majority of this episode talking about the year 2021 without mentioning the pandemic, without mentioning COVID. What is this COVID thing you speak of? I haven't heard of it. I've been in my bunker all year hiding from people. Is there something else going on? <laughs> well, so we had our first in-person event again this year. And so there were some precautions that the Linux Foundation put in place. And I think it went pretty well. What do you all think? I thought it was fantastic to actually get to see people again in person at a real event. And I like that we did a half day and then did some other things. You know, we broke out in groups and went to get lunch. Amy Merrick organized a underground tour of Seattle. And so I thought it was a really, it was a really fun day. We got to hang out with each other and talk some metrics. Yeah, that underground tour was cool. The guy giving it was a little weird, but it was a very cool tour. I participated online through a video recording, but just wish to have some to participate as in person sometime. But online participating, there are some physical 
circumstances that we can avoid. So it's also a great experience to be participate the TinaScon online. It's also a good form. And thank you, Shoya, for reminding me. This was not an all in-person event. This was actually the first hybrid event that we organized as the Chaos community, where yes, we had people in the same room, but at the same time, we had the Slack channel where everyone could participate and we were live streaming all of the talks and what was going on at the conference so that someone who could not travel and be there in person could participate in both the talks and the conversations. So I think that was a real innovation for the chaos community to do this for the first time this year. All right. We have covered a lot of what has gone in this year, 2021. I would say this was a pretty good review and we have pretty good idea of, you know, just how amazing the community is, the things that everyone is pushing forward and moving forward with and the work that is happening. Now, as we are coming to a close of this year, where do you think we are going next year? What do you think is coming down the road? What are we doing in 2022? What are your thoughts? Well, for me, over the last four years or five years, however long the Chaos Project has been around, I think we've been, this will sound silly, but maybe, you know, building a, a brand that is the Chaos Project brand and as people and organizations think about community health, I would say that the last year, I didn't feel like I had to explain what chaos was as a project to a lot of people. We can get right into a conversation about community health, about the metrics models, the software. And so in, in 2022, I'd, I'd like to see that continue to grow. I think part of what the chaos project is, we're a community that, that really tries to listen. We try to listen to what people are doing in practice and capture that so others can do the same. And I'd like to, to really build that out over the year of 2022 is to continue to listen to folks who not only have been participating in the Chaos Projects you know, over the last couple of years or since the beginning, but new organizations and new people that have pain points or questions around community health that we can, they can bring to us and we can help capture and, and share with others. So that's really a, a goal of mine in 2022. I also think we've talked quite a few times throughout this podcast about how we're, we're a pretty welcoming and inclusive community. I mean, anybody can get involved and help us build metrics. And so personally, I'd love for us to find more ways to use chaos as kind of an, an introduction for people into open source or kind of a jumping off point for open source. I mean, we get a lot of, you know, early career people as a part of some of the Google summer of programs and outreachy and other programs. And I would love to see us use this as a place where people can get their start in open source and also then get involved in other projects as well. I'd love to see us do more of that next year. Extending on that, one of the things I'd like to see us do is build on some of the workshops that we've done for early career software developers, helping them understand the basics of configuring the Grimoire Lab and Augur environments because that's an entree to a set of working code that they can work in. And then I'd like to advance some of our software community, the parts of chaos that build the tools. And I think the metrics models that we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, give us an opportunity to provide newcomers who are interested in developing software opportunities to do that, which are low risk and easier to understand than some of the more complex tools that, are part of the chaos project today. 
Yeah, adding to what Don said about making chaos the place for many people, the start of their open source, I just want to say personally, chaos is a perfect place for me to get started with open source. And I want to talk a bit more about the, from the community perspective, what aspects is the community just like growing globally. And I just want to mention that I didn't realize very clearly until recently as how would building local communities, like the Chinese community, be a good thing. Like we, especially me, we chat accounts and new video platform accounts. In the same time, I had the kind of concern about maybe this is splitting up a community. But now when I'm looking back at it and I realized how letting people know there is a place like a hub to discussing topics would help. But people have the need to talking about metrics and measurements, but the need happened in two hemispheres in the world, which has completely different culture and cardiac rhythm. Um, so the time zone and the language could really be a huge barrier to stop people step into the community. So I'm really happy to see how people are becoming active in the local Chinese community and the accounts we set up provide a place for them to step in and they're willing to join into it. I'd also just like to second that. I think that it is risky, as you said, Shoya, to kind of split up a community in that way. but. I think the key is that we do have key people like yourself, like well, like Yehoi, like King, a few others who are dedicated and intent on keeping that tie together and keeping that bridge going. So as long as you have that core group of people that can kind of span both communities or multiple communities with inside of you know, a larger community, then I think you're going to have success. And we can certainly learn so much from the Chinese community, the Chinese chaos community and other places as well. So I would like to see us grow that as well. And as I mentioned before, I really want to improve our onboarding for multiple people, for multiple areas. Right now, it's kind of ambiguous. We kind of are free-flowing here at KFS. So, you know, we usually point people to come to our weekly community meeting just so you can kind of meet us and get to know chaos and what we're all about. And obviously that's not accessible for everyone. Not everyone can make that time to come meet us in person. So I would really like to help with that process to grow that community of new contributors as well for 2022. This is Nicole. If I can build on what Elizabeth just said and what others have said here, it would be that if I look at, you know, since the inception of chaos, we've done such fantastic work together. We are such a welcoming community. And Elizabeth, you've helped so much in that, as Sean mentioned earlier, it's so exciting to see how chaos has truly gone global and to bring it then back to what Matt mentioned and something that's near and dear to my heart is as an advocacy. It'll be exciting with all of these different pieces in place to build the chaos brand over this next year and to truly help folks understand even further how to engage, how to approach the 70 plus metrics, this body of work, and how to use this within their own communities to benefit them. All right. Thank you for spending time with me looking back on this past year, looking ahead to the next year. For me, I look forward to sharing more stories on 
this chaos cast. We are coming up on the end of this episode and we always like to end with value ads where we share something that has brought value, joy or meaning to our lives. And mine is right now, in two days after recording this episode, I am taking a really long time off where I'm taking seven weeks with vacation and I'm also stepping away from open source work and I'm just going to spend time with family and be offline and I'm just really looking forward to that time. Congrats Georg on actually taking the time off. I think that's absolutely fabulous. I am a big fan of taking proper holidays so I think it's great. So my value add is more on the technical side. It's something called Electo which is basically it's a new voting system for things like steering committee elections. So it was used for Kubernetes. We're using it. I'm one of the Knative election officers. We're using it for Knative. And the cool thing about Electo is that it uses GitHub handles for your voter IDs. So you don't have to try to track down email addresses for people, which in big projects like Knative and Kubernetes, you just can't find people's emails to send them ballots. So having it all tied within GitHub has been pretty fantastic. And it's worked really well. It's a brand new project. It's a CNCF project, but I would encourage you if you have, I wouldn't use it for like a small election where you know all the emails and it's really easy. SIBS is great for that. But for these big elections within some of these open source communities, Electo has been pretty great. Electo sounds fantastic. I'm excited about that. I think my value add is just to share, sort of build on Georg's idea of taking time off Given the pandemic, my mother will be visiting us for the Thanksgiving holiday here in the U.S. for a week for the first time in, I want to say four years, because we'd visited her previously. And then with the pandemic, she didn't go anywhere. And so she hasn't seen the bunker. And I think, you know, every son wants his mother to be proud. And I think when she sees this steel and concrete monument to industry and industrialism and steel and concrete, really. I think it'll be cool. I'll be very proud to show it to her. Yeah, for me, it's also that over the holidays, my family for the first time, a really long time can travel to the US again, coming from Germany. I've lived in this house for two years and I can finally show my dad, my brother and sister where I live now. So I second that having family come and travel again this holiday is super awesome. I will be spending a lot of time with my granddaughter who is seven months old because she's amazing and she's my absolute best friend. And my value add was going to be something super inspirational, intelligent, insightful. But instead, I saw this morning that Hershey's released a Reese's cup that is nine inches across. So it's like a pie shaped Reese's cup. And I am all about that. I cannot wait to get my face into one of those. And I know that there's debate about what, how to say that word. I say Reese's and apparently that's wrong. Apparently it's supposed to be Reese's because it's Reese, the name. So it's Reese's. I call it Reese's as well. And Reese's is just fine. And I think this is similar to a, well, I'll let you go. I'm not going (laughs) to, but yes, I call it Reese's and I'm wrong. You're right. Once they released Reese's PCs. That's That's it. That's, that's what's it. Going back after that. That's right. I agree. To continue with the family theme, my son turned 11 on November 11th. So it was his golden birthday. And for his birthday, we got him this ClickBot 
programmable robot that I think at this point, my fiance might actually be more into than my son, but we'll see. This ClickBot robot has got it. All three of us kind of huddled around and seeing what it will do next as we program it. But anyway, so that's kind of been our amazing thing in the last uh, week. I haven't thought about my kind of picks recently, so I'm going to just pick Kiosk's China as we mentioned in this. We had, if we call it two episodes because we had episode zero and episode one, it's hosted on the platform Shimalaya. And I will show the link because the content is all in Chinese. So for folks who speak in Chinese, you can have just have a glance at it. Yeah, I will listen to the episodes zero and participate episodes one. And it's definitely a good podcast if you speak Chinese. The weather I, I want to mention is I just read about the article about the social contract of the open source. And in the open source community, someone may take a granted to complain about the software defect or just ask uh, some things uh, for granted. And if we look back and a lot of people spend uh, their free time to do the things, and we should treat the commit as a gift. And in this way, we could, everyone will very appreciate others' efforts and will give the recognitions and it will make the world much better. Recently, I work on the inner source project and I find out if we can bring this spirit into the company and we will have much better harmony community and we can build the community inside of the company. I guess mine is over the pandemic. I think a lot of you know I got a dog. That was my, my thing. And if you like, very smart, very loving, high energy, high shedding dogs, then go get yourself a Border Collie. <laughs> and for those of you that didn't know, the Border Collie comes because of the border between Scotland and England. So it's a collie that actually shepherds on that border. So that's where the border comes from. Interesting. I just learned something. So the collie has an awareness of these international borders innate that's to its genetic pool. Well, thank you so much. It is time to say thank you. Thank you, Matt, Don, Willem, Elizabeth, Sean, Shoya, and Nicole for joining me today for this fun and exciting episode. Thank you, everybody. It's been Ma great. Thank you. Th thanks, everyone. Fun conversation. Thank and we you. Managed, thank to have, you. managed to not have chaos with all these people. Let's <laughs> <laughs> have lots of chaos. It depends how you look at it. All right. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. And thank you, dear listener, for joining us today. To stay up to date on future episodes, subscribe for free to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. If you have ideas for future episode topics or would even like to come on as a guest, please email us, podcast at chaos.community. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Until next time, your chaos community.